0: having a busy day in the clinic, and you see a skin case come in. And predominantly when we're seeing skin cases, especially when you're seeing them in general practice, majority of them are going to be some form of allergy. But what are the kind of four main things I really want you to use, even in a quick methodical sense, to have an idea of what's going on with certain dermatologic diseases? Because I do appreciate if you have 15, 20-minute appointments and you're running behind, it's really easy to always look for the horses, not the zebras, right? And, and we should be really looking for those. But what about when things don't exactly match up? What are the things that we really should consider in that kind of quick, I need to move on, see the next case. I need to get a diagnosis or at least get some sort of treatment done and work my way to a diagnosis because sometimes it takes time, right? Especially if they're really infected, So I want to go over just some kind of basic categories of things that I really want you to reframe your mind around when you're seeing these dermatologic cases. And First of all, it's not going to surprise you what number one is going to be, and that is history. History, history, history is so, so, so important. Do not skip on collecting history. And again, I understand if you have a busy general practice it can be really difficult to fit in a really you know broad detailed history but there's a few tools that you can really guide yourself with and i think as you practice longer and see more dermatologic cases that your confidence with this really does improve to the point where you can be efficient with your history collection, right? I mean, I have had to learn over the past, you know, over a decade of just in dermatology to be efficient because even though we have more time set aside for cases, you know, things certainly still get busy. People have busy lives. They want to get out the door. So I have certain questions I really like to ask, but I also really utilize the information I have To guide the conversation and don't just ask. I personally just don't ask the same questions to every single patient depending on what they present for. So ways to make history efficient, you know, talked about it before, but the dermatology intake form, you know, even if it's someone you've seen for a while, if you've never seen them for derm disease, then having them fill some form um, type of form out because something that an owner takes a decent amount of time to fill out with, what medications have been used, what's been helpful, where are the lesions, Was it, have they had this issue before, maybe they just didn't mention it to you, you know, do they show other signs, systemic signs, do they show other dermatologic signs, all of that, if it's filled out on a form, you can breeze through so quickly, because you're able to just see, you know, that owner's taking the time to fill it out, but that information is just right there and accessible. So that can make it very, very nice from a time efficiency standpoint. And I'll use that information to guide my conversations. So, you know, our exams and we're getting referred to us, but we are always having them fill out a dermatology intake form so that we can kind of see the basic information, but I'm also reviewing previous records in the pockets of time I have. So, whether that's right before the exam or if I have a lunch break and I've caught up on everything else, if we have previous records from the veterinarian, I'm gonna look over that to see what medications have been used. Does it seem like it's been successful or not? You know, what has the owner had as a primary complaint for that pet before? Those are the types of things that we're really looking for. And we've actually really started utilizing. Our technicians or our CSRs to sometimes look through that information and summarize it for us, so that they have an idea of what's going on with the case. But then we have a quick snapshot of things that we can evaluate. But having that history is key. And when I'm talking to the owner, there are main things I really want to know about. You know, is this an acute thing that's happened? Has it happened before? Is it more of a chronic or chronically relapsing problem? Has the area of the body changed? um is it something that's just consistently they're having dermatologic signs for that maybe the owner didn't think it's a big deal like they present for an ear infection that's acute but it, the owner kind of reports oh yeah they do lick their paws they've kind of always done that um you know is it something that's been a bilateral chronic otitis or is this an acute unilateral otitis or maybe something else like a mass is present in that year? What's the age of the pet? Um, just really basic things that I can really get a lot of the information from by looking at an intake form ahead of time, or at least having an idea from that intake form where I'm going to guide my conversation. So history, as you know, is so important in dermatology. And you know, 80% of the time we get a diagnosis just on a good history alone. What's the next thing I want you thinking about? Number two when you see a pet coming in your door and you're doing your examination, what is the distribution of lesions? Patterns of dermatitis are so important. We can think of the classic ones, right? Like they're licking and chewing their rump acutely. Almost everyone, depending on where you live is going to say, Oh, it's flea allergy dermatitis. But we want to think about that because we don't often see those parasites, right? We often don't see fleas or flea dirt, but having that history of an acute paritis to the rump, guides me to ask questions like, is your pet on flea control? If they are, which one is it? Because we know that not all flea controls are created equal. So I usually want an ISOC sassling in that pet. What about other pets in the household? So I just had this recently where that pet was on really good flea control, but the spouse's pet was not on any flea control. And we think that's contributing to the exposure of the pet who's really itchy. So distribution definitely matters. Um, you know, is it a dog coming in that's seen other veterinarians before? They come in to see you. It's been called allergies. And when you look, the nasal planum completely ulcerative and crusty. It doesn't really match the typical pattern that you'd usually see for allergies. Do we have a dog who's completely going after their ear tips and their hawks and their elbows? And maybe we want to be thinking of sarcoptic mange. So distribution is really important. It's not a catch-all, right? We know food allergy and atopic dermatitis can look very similar to each other, and we can have pets who have multiple dermatologic diseases, and that can make things really complicated. Like if you have a food allergy and atopic pet. You know, you do the diet trial, they get better, but they don't fully get better. So there are some ways where distribution will not completely tell you what's going on, but you certainly can get hits of really important things. A hint that... It is allergies or not, depending on, you know, where the lesions are, what type of allergy is present. You know, if they're going after their rump, a dog, flea allergy. If we have a cat and they're good ectoparasite control and they're really scratching towards their head and neck, that can be indicative of a food allergy. We know that there's studies that um, suggest that head and neck paritis in an allergic cat is more often associated with an adverse food reaction. So knowing these little things like, patterns and the distributions we can see of certain anatomical locations can be really helpful to guide the process of ruling certain things out. So we definitely want to be thinking about where are these issues happening? Because if you have a flea allergic dog and you just throw them on Apoquil, they're probably not going to get that much better. We have to have them on control that primary cause, like putting them on good ectoparasite control. So we want to make sure we're picking up on those common patterns and being really comfortable with those. The number three big thing I want you to think about, type of lesion, right? So this is really important. We see a lot of crusting dermatoses because we see a lot of infection. But, you know, it's really different if I see a dog who's got crusts everywhere versus a dog that has a nodular dermatoses, where there's just like nodules all over the body that happened really quickly. Or do we have a really ulcerative dermatitis? Do we have an ulcerative dermatitis on the nasal planum? Right. So now I'm putting together anatomical location with the type of disease I'm seeing, and you can get some pyodermas, especially like German Shepherds, certain breeds where they will get really ulcerative and draining. But sometimes it's not as common, and so we want to be thinking about you know are we seeing crusts? Are we seeing pustules? Are we seeing nodules? Are we seeing ulcers, erosions? Where are we seeing them? So now we're starting to put that all together, right? The history that we've talked to the owner about, where these lesions are on the body, that might give us some hints of what type of allergy or whether we've got something totally different than an allergy happening. And then what types of lesions are there? You know, I've had dogs referred to me before for difficult allergies, like uncontrollable allergies, don't respond to the typical allergy medications. And then I see the dog and they have got plaques and huge nodules on their trunk and it's something like epithelial tropic lymphoma, something you know very bizarre. We don't tend to see huge plaques and nodules, you know, unless there's a weird infection going on. We don't tend to see that from allergies. So just thinking deeper, like, okay, well, allergies on their own don't usually cause like nodules, They don't cause like weird ulcers on mucocutaneous membranes. It really shouldn't cause like oral lesions going back to our kind of distribution, right? Like unless they're traumatic or get a weird infection, they really shouldn't cause like lesions on the palate and on the mucous membranes. So that's where we want to start thinking when things don't quite match up with what we tend to see with allergy pets, especially since we do see so many allergy pets in the clinic. So history, distribution of lesions on the body, the types of lesions that we're seeing. And then the fourth one, of course, is going to be moving on to utilizing our diagnostics. So cytology, everything, as you know, as I say, cytology, everything. So you have a dog come in with a weird ulcerative dermatitis on the trunk. Okay. This, could this be a weird, you know, autoimmune disease? Maybe um, it's not the typical thing we see with just an allergic dog, but maybe we got a weird infection. Okay. I'm going to do my cytology. Do I see a ton of bacteria? I do. Well, let me start just by treating that because if I just treat the infection and this totally clears up and the pet's not symptomatic, the pet doesn't have, you know, any other lesions when I just treat infection, maybe it is some, you know, weird form of allergies. We do certainly get allergies that present with weird presentations of infection, but if you clear all that infection up, you reach excitology in a few weeks, infection's gone. But that ulcerative dermatitis, there's still tons of neutrophils under the microscope, there's still ulcers all over the pet, there's still a lot of lesions. Then maybe something else is going on. Like maybe we have a weird lupoid disease, maybe we have a disease. You know, at least then we'll know we should biopsy or refer rather than just throw them on site a point. So that would be something that are you taking all of this information, and putting it together. Or going back to the basics, like it looked like a hot spot. I treated it like a hot spot. It didn't respond. I do my cytology. There's some inflammation, but there's really no infection. What would cause a focal lesion? Oh, let me go back to the basics. Maybe I should do a skin scraping. Because I've had that, you know, recently where it previously looked like a hot spot. It had been treated like a hot spot before referred to us. Didn't get better. But then it was a young dog, you know, not on an ISO dazzling, so we scrape and there's Demodex. So using those diagnostics when either the lesions don't match up with what we think is typical for, say, atopic dermatitis, food allergy, some form of allergy, but also when you don't respond the way that you should. So if that pet doesn't respond to side apiquil, Apoquil, you know, these things that are you're pretty efficacious for allergies. Of course, we have cases that don't respond. But when you have typical things where they're really not responding, then the question is, is something else going on? And then we got to utilize our diagnostics. Skin scrape, you know, DTM slash fungal PCR, cytology. And then if it's just really wacky or weird, or you're seeing cells you don't recognize, biopsy, just to see if we are dealing with an autoimmune neoplastic disease. So these are the things that are kind of going through my head. And again, you can get to the point with practice where you get really efficient at this, you know, timely with it. Maybe you just have to do it step by step, like treat infection first, come back, you know, let me reevaluate, start with this. Let's have you, I mean, there's lots of cases where I see them. I'm like, this seems kind of weird, but I don't know. I'm not quite convinced yet. Oh, there's a lot of infection. We're just going to treat infection. When you come back, here's an estimate to biopsy. We may biopsy if the infection goes away and these lesions are still present, but if not, then we'll kind of dive a bit more into the history, you know, look at options. Are they still itchy or not? Maybe it is a, an allergy and we'll kind of d- dive deeper into that discussion once I see what happens just with this infection controls. So I hope all of you find that really helpful. These are just kind of main concepts that I really use to guide me throughout the day. That can really help. Again, derm can be so fun because you can make it a puzzle. You can really figure these cases out. But we do have to kind of get out of our head that every case we see is an allergy case because that's definitely not the case. We see lots of other cool cases too. So hopefully that is something that is beneficial to you. Um, If you have any other ideas for podcast topics, episodes, always feel free to reach out to me. Um, You know, you can go on my Instagram, The Derm Vet, um, shoot me a message. I certainly want to continue to put out content that you guys find is really helpful.